That one always gets me. Um, please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 11, verses 16 through the end of the chapter today. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being so wise yourself. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on errors, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the cities, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize, to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. You know, I remember when the kids were a lot younger, like that three or four year old age, you know, that, that fun age. They just seemed to have a million questions, didn't they? What's a door? Why do we have a door? Why do we have two doors? Why does it make a noise? Why do we have grass? Dad, why do you cut the grass? Where do farts come from? Yeah, you remember those, remember those questions, didn't they? They're curious minds, man. They were just so fascinating but so torturous. And sometimes, I know you find this hard to believe, but I used to have fun with this. I'd answer stuff just to mess with them. I don't know, ask your mom. Your mom loves that question. You should ask her. Why do we have gas? grass? Because God made grass. But why? For horses to eat. Why don't we have a horse? I wanted one, but your mom didn't. Mom! It was great. Kids can just be so easily swayed and manipulated because they don't, they don't have the, the knowledge or the ability to be able to reason like adults do. And let's be honest, kids tend to be self-centered, right? They're thinking about what they're thinking about. And dads should be thinking about what they're thinking about as well, right? Kids love mom's cooking as long as it's something they like. They love to play games as long as it's a game they like. They love to play with their toys as long as it's a toy they want to play with. And everybody else should want to do exactly what it is that they want to do. And if they don't, they cry. It kind of sounds like some adults nowadays. 
But it's just part of being a normal kid, right? It's not necessarily evil. It's just how their minds are, and their minds are starting to to develop. And when a three-year-old acts like a three-year-old, I can understand that, right? I can show him a lot of grace just because because he's three. However, when a grown man, a 40-year-old man, starts acting like a three-year-old, I just want to slap the Satan out of him. See, pastors struggle with temptations too. (laughs) Paul has been defending himself in his gospel for these false teachings, this ridiculousness. And to his surprise and his disappointment, many of the, the Christians in this town of Corinth are starting to follow these people. And it's no longer merely childish behavior. It's starting to become pure foolishness. He begins in chapter in verse 16 where he's continuous defense against the Judaizers. And that word Judaizers is a Greek word that literally means to live according to Jewish customs. They taught that in order for a Gentile, which is anybody other than the Jews, to be truly right with God, they had to follow all the Mosaic law. So this was false gospel. And one of the most prominent issues was was circumcision. And I know that's a tender subject, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. In Acts 15, Paul, Peter, James, the other brother of Jesus, the other apostles, these church leaders, they got together and they had this this discussion, right? Because they had to discuss this matter. And I'm sure it got heated up in that room, man, and I would have loved to have been there. But in the end of the day, what happens, they come to this agreement, they come out and they say, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles, who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. See, we are saved by grace and faith alone. It's not a mixture of faith and works. It's not anything we've done. There is nothing that we can do to save or earn salvation. There is no amount of works that we can do to make us saved. These teachers were literally trying to tie this burden around these, these poor new Christians in the town of Corinth saying that if you really want to be saved, you really want to be holy, you have to be circumcised and you have to obey the Mosaic law, all the laws of Moses. These Judaizers almost died out when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. But this line of hearsay and this line of false teaching has continued in many different forms. You know, the Roman Catholic Church, for example, at the Council of Trent in the 16th century explicitly denied the idea of salvation by faith alone. Catholics have always held that certain sacraments are necessary for salvation, like baptism and confession and communion. Not saying that these are just good things or that they all have meaning, but they believe that they are actually a part of salvation. You can't be saved without them. And they're part of what earns you forgiveness and what earns you salvation. And today, there are a lot of pastors and there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of ministries that teach faith plus works. This, this false gospel See, Paul worked real hard to preserve this true gospel, that we are saved by by grace through faith alone. And he is literally beside himself, and he's angry with these Judaizers and these false teachers, and of course, the Christians in Corinth. Those guys boast about themselves all the time, and you guys seem to like it. You think this must mean that they know what they're talking about, and they're right. They're boasting about their works. They're boasting about their circumcision. They're boasting about their, their adherence to rituals and traditions. They're boasting about abstaining from certain foods. And if you really want to be holy, hey, just look at us. Do what we tell you to do. And by the way, if you financially support us, you'll really be blessed. But I'm going to tell you something. Be very careful about people who do a lot of talking but never reference God's word. That never reference the Bible. People telling you they have a new revelation or they have a new gospel or they have a new teaching. 
People who boast about their efforts, their outward appearance, are, are trying to tell you to, to do something in place of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to salvation. See, Paul was so humble and he was so transparent and he was so loving when he was there. And in come these guys that are boastful and prideful and foolish in this town of Corinth. And some people just simply started following him. And Paul, you can see it, he's getting upset as he's writing this letter, right? And there's definitely some sarcasm in his voice when he says, for you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. People have come in and literally made you slaves to their rules about eating and worshiping and drinking, what to wear and how to speak. You're not only enslaved to them, they've taken advantage of you, and you pay them to do it. You pretend to be something you're not, and you try to be just like them. They are false teachers, and they're even degrading you in public, and you don't do anything about it. You sit there and take it? You don't say a word? These are not just childish mistakes. This has become outright foolishness. And people, even in today's day and age, are so easily swayed and misled because they haven't opened up the Bible for themselves. And a slick preacher comes to town, right? And he's looking like he's rich and he's got all these miracle stories and how much God has blessed in him, how much God's done in his life. And he, and he goes on to say that God will bless you if you just do what I tell you to do. And he starts to, to talk all slick and starts to woo you into following him. And you begin to dress differently and act differently and talk differently, all to be like this guy and obey him. Never even realizing that the gospel that you receive from Paul is different. Not to mention what the Bible actually says. They got caught up in exactly what people today get caught up in. A celebrity saying things that you want to hear, like how to make great money or how to be successful. And these false teachers use Paul's imprisonment as sufferings against him. Saying things like, if God loved Paul so much, man, if, if he was so tight with God, why would God allow him to suffer so much? God doesn't want you to suffer. How can a God of love be okay with suffering? You ever heard that one? God doesn't want you to be poor. He wants you to be rich like me. Look at my life. How smooth I am. How successful I am. Paul can't talk like I do. He can't dress like I do. He don't look as good as I do. He's weak. And that's exactly how cults are formed. This is how normal, everyday people are swayed away from obeying God to obeying a man or a woman or even their own ideas because they don't get into God's word they don't get into the Bible and read the truth for themselves and if you're going by what you think and what you believe and are you going by what you believe instead of what the word says regardless of whether you like it or not guess what you ain't no different that's why our big idea is grow your faith to protect you from foolishness Paul's like, yeah, we're too weak. We're too weak for that. We're too weak to take advantage of you. We're too weak to manipulate you. We're too weak to lie to you to get you to follow us. We're too weak to give you a list of rules to follow for guaranteed success. We're too weak to build ourselves up by tearing you down. Yes, we're too weak for that. And I can imagine that Paul is just absolutely furious while he's writing this letter. And everything that these false teachers were saying to put him down and put the gospel down is the very thing that should have been used to prove to the Corinthians that the gospel was true and that Paul was telling the truth. 
And then Paul drops, jumps into a mic drop moment. He said, okay, so you think you're bad. You think you're so tough? So you want to hear things in their language, huh? This is the language that you've accepted. If you want somebody that's going to boast about their life, here you go. And I'm sure this tore Paul up. But he tells them about the five times that he got for 40 lashes minus one. That's 39 lashes five different times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. Once adrift at sea. In danger at sea. In danger in the wilderness with false brothers. Everywhere he goes, he's got sleepless nights. Times without food. Times without water. Times without shelter. Times without clothing. He even reminds them of the time that he was in Damascus that the king was after him. And he had to be lowered down the wall in a basket. Because he just can't bring himself to brag about his personal successes, his degrees. Paul was a smart man. Or his man-made rewards or accolades. Instead, Paul boasts about what? He boasts about his suffering. See, other people talk about how successful they are. How much they know God wants them to do. How much God's done in my life. And Paul says, look what I've suffered. Look at what I've been through. All in an effort to make sure that you heard the true gospel. He says, I don't go to places that already have a church, like these guys do. I go to places where I might be beaten, where I might be flogged, where I'm going to be hungry, and where I'm going to be alone. And I don't boast about my nice clothes, and I don't boast about fancy jewelry. I boast in the miraculous signs and the miraculous delivery from all the things that God has done in my life and all the things that he's brought me through and a devotion that you can truly trust. See, Paul wasn't just in it for himself. Paul is consistent about his boasting in God's strength and his own weaknesses. But honestly, I don't think Paul's weaknesses were weaknesses at all. You can't look at the list of suffering that this man went through and think it's weak. Man, I used to think I was tough. Paul was one tough dude. And he's not just words, right? He's not just in it to gain a following. He's not just in it to, to get a big bank account, account. Paul was committed. How committed are we? What are we committed to? What are you committed to? What do you boast about? Our job? Our family? Our kids? Our relationships? our success, our popularity. Do me a favor and spend some time this week and look back over the last couple of years of your life. Has there been anything that you were willing to suffer for? Anything that you have been committed to the point where you've been in tears or you've been in pain for, or at least inconveniences? Can we say that about our faith? About loving people like Jesus did? Or sharing the gospel with people like Paul did. See, James tells us that faith without works is dead. You can have all the right words on Sunday morning. You can look as good as you want to look. But if my actions, Monday through Saturday, don't look like Jesus, and I don't love people like he did, then guess what? I got a faith problem. And I am personally so blessed to be able to work with people that I go to church with. Management and union. There's accountability there. And these people see me. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes too. 
But Paul says, you can look at my life and see the faith. What about these false teachers? Can you see their faith? Man, Paul's been through a lot. And this isn't like an everyday thing for him. But think about the physical, the mental, the spiritual suffering this man's gone through. He says, apart from those, he has overwhelming daily pressure for all the churches of which these people were a part of, were a part of. You think those guys care about you once they leave town with your money? Those false teachers, those prophets, those Judaizers, those, those swindlers, you think they care about you once they're out the door? But I have you in my heart every day. And then he says one of the sweetest and one of the most authentic personal statements. It's also God's truth. He says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? The NASB translates that to something different. It says, who is weak without me becoming weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? When somebody is weak, it hurts us. When somebody is led into sin, it should hurt us. We should hurt for them. We should be concerned for them. There is not one person in any of his churches that when they were struggling or they were weak or they were going through pain or they were persecuted, that Paul wasn't hurting because of them and probably been through it himself. There's not one person who had ever been led away from sin, into sin, that he is not intensely concerned about. This isn't a game to, to Paul. This is not just a job to Paul. These are his kids. These are his sheep. And I don't mean that in a bad way. These were people he loved and he cared about. And for so many people back then, and even today, we, we never pay, make it past the weekend experience, do we? Or we never get past the, the acquaintance phase of church to get to a place where I care so much about other people that I'm willing to suffer when they suffer. And to get to a place where when I suffer, they feel it. Or when they get led into sin, I am intensely concerned. See, these Corinthians, man, they were on fire for the gospel. And now they're becoming self-centered. And they want to go to church and they want to do what they want to be told what to do. And they want to be told what's right and what to believe. And what to do so that God blesses them. In other words, they want God to serve them. Tell you what, God, I'm willing to do these five things if you give me X, Y, Z. That's where they're getting. Instead of saying, God, I just need you. God, I love you and I want to please you. But what do we hear nowadays? They offended me, so I'm out. I, they don't agree with me, so I'm leaving the church. They're calling out the sin in my life, so you know what? I'm out. I don't like that Brandon came up here today and he sang alone, so I'm leaving. I don't like that Kenny's yelling at us, so I'm leaving. And what I've learned is that there is a lot of adult kids in the world and in church that think if you don't do what I want to do, then I'm out. If you're okay with wearing a hat in church, you've got to be messed up. If you personally didn't like the song selection for today or offended, you weren't able to worship. Maybe you got upset because they added another person to your small group and you didn't like that. So you're out. See, here's the thing, man. We all start out as infants in our spiritual walk, right? 
not knowing anything, making a lot of mistakes, needing a lot of attention, and that's normal. But we have to continue to grow, to become kids who make their own sandwiches and tie their own shoes and read their Bibles for themselves, learn how to study their Bible on their own, learn how to pray on their own. But even spiritual kids are pretty self-centered, aren't they? You want to ask questions when you have questions about things that you want to know when you're coming to church to be fed, right? You're coming to a group to feel connected. So we continue to grow until we become young adults who think about and care about others. To accept what the Bible says, even, even though we may not like it, because we trust God. And instead of coming to get fed, you're consistently being fed every day as you read God's word on your own and as you pray. And you begin to want to help other people grow. And you start to help others who have questions. And you want more people to join your group, not so you can be more popular, but so you can help them get connected and you can help them grow. And you're no longer offended or concerned with the songs that are being said or whether you like the fact that they change the stage or not. The fact that Brett's not up here every single Sunday. You don't get upset about a specific study. You're able to worship whatever or study whatever because you want to help other people worship and you want to help other people learn. You want to help them grow. See, these Corinthians, they were babies. They heard the gospel and they, and they responded and they're they fully saved babies. And they began to grow when they began to ask questions. And they began to learn, and Paul sat there with them, and he answered every single one of their questions. And he helped them to grow. But there were some people who chose not to grow past childhood. And when these false teachers came in town, man, they were easily swayed by false teaching. Because they were still self-centered, and they were still accepting this teaching. Because it made them feel good, or it made them look good. See, we were not saved to be childish or foolish. We were saved to become disciples who make other disciples. And I want to say that again because I want that to sink in. We were not saved to be childish or foolish. We were saved to become disciples that make other disciples. It's our job to invest in other people, to become like Paul and allow God to grow us where we begin to put others in front of ourselves, to boast in what God is doing through my suffering. Not to be swayed by foolish talk or some slick person that comes along or nonsense from false teachers. So ask yourself, man, where am I? Where, where are you? Are you spiritually dead? Are you someone who has never actually responded in faith to Jesus? Or maybe you're a spiritual infant, right? You're still making lots of messes and lots of mistakes. You know, I don't know much. But you're in need of attention, you're in need of help. Maybe you don't know how to read your Bible, maybe you don't know how to pray. Or maybe you're a child and you begin to start reading your Bible and you're starting to learn a little bit on your own. And you pray on your own, but man, you still got a ton of questions, right? I did. Are you easily offended? Are you easily disappointed when we don't talk about what you wanted to hear? Or when you hear things that you don't like, you're still very focused on you, or maybe Maybe you become more spiritual as a young adult. And you're starting to develop all these wonderful habits, right? You're regularly feeling, feeding yourself. You're making fewer and fewer messes. You're being more and more obedient, even when it's difficult. And you're thinking about others a lot more. And you're realizing every single day how, how short you fall. 
See, Paul is so frustrated because these Corinthians knew better. But instead of being able to reach more people for the gospel and reach more people for Christ, they are regressing back to childish, selfish ways. Ask yourself, am I moving forward? Am I regressing or am I stagnant in my faith? Because Biology 101 teaches us that all living things have to grow, right? So if I'm not growing, then guess what? I'm either in danger of being dead or in danger of dying. But we want to help you grow. We want to help you create an action plan. But first, you have to diagnose where you are. Are you spiritually dead? Maybe you've never made that decision. You've never made an intentional and a personal decision to confess Jesus as your Savior. You've never repented. You've never baptized. That's you. Why haven't you, man? Is there a question or is there, is there a doubt that's nagging at you? Is there a sin that you don't want to give up? Do you think you've got to be perfect? Because that ain't never my mom used to tell me, Kenny. You'll never be perfect. I used to think I had to fix everything before I could get. I walk into church, it's going to fall. Mom said, you can't ever make yourself right. God loves you just the way you are. Are you seeking the answers to those questions? It's okay to question. That's who's going to make you who you are. Dig into those questions. Get your answers. If that's you, man, we would love to hear from you. We've made it so easy. All you've got to do is text the number on the screen, 734-304-7248, or shoot an email at nexussouthpointccc.com. You can't make it any simpler than that. Reach out to somebody here. You ain't even got to let your fingers do your walking. Get your feet moving. Talk to some of the people here who are going to be here during the next song. Share those doubts. Share those questions. Seek the answers to your questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have concerns. I want to to just encourage you during this next song, come up and talk to one of these people up here. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe, Maybe you need to take the next step. Maybe you're thinking about jumping into the group so, so, so that you can have people around you to, to be able to ask these tough questions to or to learn from. You can do that through the app or you can sign up for First Step. You say, what is First Step? Funny you ask. First Step is a two-hour experience where you're going to learn more about the church. You're going to dis- discover what your next step is and you're going to get some help taking it. Plus, there's some food and there's other people that are going to help you make that next step. Protect yourselves and protect those that are around you from becoming stagnant or worse, regressing and being swayed like those Corinthians. The saddest thing, I think, is is in the city of Corinth, instead of seeing more people led to Christ, Paul was still dealing with these childish kids because many of them had chosen not to grow in their faith. That's why our big idea again is grow your faith to protect you from foolishness. See, man, we need to develop our faith so that like Paul, we can can let God use us for bigger and better things. And I know what you're thinking, man. Right now you're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't imagine bringing somebody to to faith in Christ. I can't imagine overcoming the things that Paul overcame can't imagine saying yes and being obedient to him but I need you to understand this you don't have to take that massive step you just got to take 
the next step and the next step and the next step and keep moving forward and growing in your faith so what is your next step here's a bigger question are you willing to take it 734-304-7248 next at southpointccc.com you can't make it any simpler than that guys there's people during this next song that are up here every week and they're up here because they love you they're up here because they want to answer your questions they're up here because they want to pray with you they're up here that because no matter where you're at in your faith they're willing to help and they're probably willing to understand just about anything you've been through and I know some of you might be thinking you don't know what I've done <laughs> you don't know what I've done trust me there is nothing you can tell me that will surprise me and the majority of these people up here will say the same thing they're able to pray with you they're able to help you there's not a person in here that doesn't need prayer one way or another not a person in here doesn't ready, isn't ready to take their next step me included Father God, thank you so much for loving us and thank you for Jesus and thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done in Allen Park already. I thank you for what you're doing in Trenton. I thank you for what you're doing with South Point. Father, I just ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill this room like never before. Help us to glorify you. If there's anybody in here that, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I just ask you to be with them so they can either text, email, or come up front. If there's somebody that needs prayer, if there's somebody that's hurting, if there's somebody that, that hasn't been baptized or they're, they're ready to join a group or they just need help, God, I just ask you to give them the courage to come forward. Give them the courage to do something about it. Father God, for those that are saved, I ask you to use them this week. Use them to find somebody that they can tell you about. Use them to sit back and look at their lives and figure out what it is that they're willing to stand the line for. God, we love you so much. I just ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.